We read a brief statement concerning Lot's wife in the 19th division of the book of Genesis and verse 26. Talking of Lot's wife there, it says, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. The story of Lot's wife is indeed a strange old story. It's the story of the woman who was the wife of a man who sat in the city gate, the place where the judges sat. You see, Lot held a position that today we would equate with being on the city council. He was considered by some scholars to have been one of the city leaders of the city of Sodom and perhaps even at one time the mayor of Sodom. And yet his wife is fleeing from that doomed city. But she takes one look back at the city that once was her home. And doing that, she becomes completely frozen in her tracks. And death grips her. And she becomes little more than a piece of crude statuary. She stares with sightless eyes toward the city that's being swept off the earth. The story of Lot's wife, as I said, it is indeed a strange story. It's a story that a lot of modern folks today are apt to dismiss with a little smile or a smirk on their faces. Because many people consider it nothing more than an old folk tale that has no meaning for our day and time. And yet, Jesus Christ read that story also. And reading that story, Jesus Christ formed an altogether different estimate of the facts of the story. Jesus read it as a story that was at once timeless and at the same time was timely. Jesus heard those death frozen lips of Lot's wife preaching a sermon that needs to be preached in our day and time. A sermon needed by no less than those of us who live in this modern age of enlightenment of the 21st century. So Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 and verse 32, To all men and women of all time, Jesus said, Remember Lot's wife. And since Jesus said to remember Lot's wife, for us to give consideration to it this morning would not be a waste of our time. Who was she? Who was this woman who was turned into a piece of crude statuary? She was a woman who belonged to a very excellent family. She was a part of that little company of pioneers that left Ur of the Chaldees. A group that was destined to create a new period in the world's civilization. She was a member of that family to which the world owes more than to any other family that's ever lived. She was a part of that select group of people that has given to the world its greatest prophets and some of its sweetest singers. She was a niece to Abraham. 
the one through whom God was going to send the world its Savior. So being a part of this select family, it's reasonable to believe that she shared the faith of this family. When the tent was pitched, when the altar was built, she was there. When the prayers were said, she no doubt bended her knee with Uncle Abraham. She was no doubt a woman enriched by the knowledge of God. And in all probability, she was a woman of faith and she was a woman of prayer. But there came a day. There came a day when she, along with her husband, made a worldly choice. There came a day when that strife arose between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. That day when a separation between Abraham and Lot was necessary. And Scripture tells us that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. In all probability, neither Lot nor his wife set out that day to move into Sodom. They only went in that direction. But eventually, having pitched their tent toward Sodom, eventually they moved into the city. And they prospered in fame and they prospered in fortune and Lot became one of the leaders of the city, possibly, as we said, even the mayor of Sodom. But, not only did Mrs. Lot move with her husband into Sodom, she allowed Sodom to move into her. And that was the greater tragedy of her life. Because you see, Sodom was a wicked city. The disgusting rottenness of Sodom was a stench in the nostrils of decency. And tragically, Lot's wife fell in love with the city. In spite of the pure religion she had grown up with, in spite of the pure religion that she had been taught she was brought under the evil spell of the city of Sodom. And yet, even then she was not left alone. Because there is no doubt that she was the object of earnest prayer on the part of her pious relatives that lived in the uplands. And she was obviously the object, most certainly, of the keen solicitude of God Himself. And there came a time when the ruin of the city of Sodom was imminent. There came a time when ghastly death was rattling the latch on her door. And what did God do? God sent His messengers to her. God sent His messengers to warn her and to warn her family. And there was no way 
that this woman could claim that she did not have a fair chance. She was faithfully warned. She was told with a most passionate earnestness of the doom that threatened the city of Sodom. But she was also made to understand that there was a way of escape. There was a way that would bring her to safety. You see, in many ways, she was a woman of fine, great opportunities. But in spite of all of the warnings that she had, she perished. She perished in the same way she's perished as did most the most blighted and most rotten soul that existed in Sodom. And we have to ask. She was Abraham's niece. She had worshipped with Father Abraham. We have to ask, how did she fail? She did not fail because of her unbelief. Her belief in those heaven-sent messengers put her in an exceedingly small minority. You know the tragedy? There is no guarantee that a messenger coming today with a similar message would receive any different reception than the messengers that were sent to Sodom. And yet Lot's wife believed the stern message that she got. She believed it. She responded to it. Now, if you read the whole story, and all Bible readers are familiar with it, if you read the whole story, there was no eagerness in her response. She was completely lacking in enthusiasm. And along with her husband Lot, Scripture tells us, she lingered. Life is waiting for her in the heights. Death is pressing close upon her heels. And yet with life waiting for her in the heights, with death pressing on her heels, what did she do? She lingered. Safety is waiting for her outside the city. Doom is certain within the city. And she lingered. She seemed intent. She seemed determined to cling to life in the wicked city of Sodom as long as she possibly could. And yet, in spite of the fact that she lingered, at last, she set her face toward the heights. It wasn't eagerly. It wasn't enthusiastically. But she made the start out of Sodom toward the heights. She set herself to win salvation. But along the way something happened and she didn't win. The story of Lot's wife says she looked back. And that, that doesn't seem like a big thing, does it? She looked back to the city that had been her home. What was wrong with that? Just one last longing, nostalgic look back at the city that she had lived in. 
Well, the main thing wrong with it was God told her not to do it. The wrong look was not so much in looking backward as in what that look indicated. You see, she set her face toward the heights. She set her face toward God and she looks back to the wickedness of Sodom. And what does it indicate? Beloved, that indicates that she had a divided heart. She had an undecided will. Even though her steps had turned away from Sodom, she looked back because she was still in love with the city. She's making her way toward the heights, but she's not in love with the heights. She's still in love with Sodom. Life's calling to her from the hills, and the voices of Sodom are calling her from the lowlands. And in a measure, she was attentive to both both voices. She felt the lure of both voices. And she especially felt the lure of Sodom. So with a divided mind, with an undecided will, she turned and she looked back. And what did it do for her? It robbed her. It robbed her of her joy. Since death and disaster are so soon to be looming in the streets of Sodom, you would have thought she would have left the city of Sodom with gladness and joy and a song in her heart. And you would have expected her to hurry out of the wicked city with nimble feet. A song on her lips, a song in her heart, the song of deliverance from a city that God is going to destroy. But what she was leaving in her mind, more than counteracted the joy she was attaining. Because being divided in allegiance, there was a lack of joy in her heart. She's fingering the mud of Sodom with one hand and reaching for the stars of God with the other hand. And you know what she found? Wretchedness. Write this down. It's on the final exam. You listening? Divided hearts are always unhappy. No half-hearted Christian is ever a joyous Christian. Think about that. How many people we have found over the years, people we have seen over the years, who have no gladness in their Christianity. They have no gladness in their religion. Like that old story from Preaching 101, I've told you a thousand times, this will be a thousand and one times you've heard this story. The little girl and her grandmother walking down the lane. And walking down the lane in the country, they see an old mule sitting over in a pasture. And the little girl says, Grandmother, look at that mule over there in that pasture. Is that mule a Christian? Why, no, child. What in the world gave you the idea that mule was a Christian? Well, that mule's got such a long face, I figured that mule must be a Christian. 
I've seen folks through the years attend a worship service and walk out like they'd just had a root canal. I've had folks come out of church services and I would reach to shake their hand and I wanted to say, I saw the look on their face. I went, oh, did it hurt bad? Did it hurt much? You see, if our heart is desire, divided, we can't find joy in our Christianity. And there are so many people in our world today who found their Christian life and their Christian existence to be dull and drab and joyless. There are those, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but there are those today who have found the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ to be anything but easy. And so as the mayor's wife is leaving the city of Sodom, her divided heart retards her progress. Did you catch the text that we read? The text that we read at the very beginning says that she looked back from behind Him. She had fallen behind already. Her steps were slow. It doesn't take long for the one who's undecided it doesn't take long for the half-hearted Christian to fall behind. You remember the question of Elijah on Mount Carmel? The prophets of Baal were there. The people of God were there. And Elijah says, How long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, follow Him. If Baal be God, follow Him. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is what Elijah said. The man or woman on the footstool of God today who is undecided is a cripple. Indecision squanders our powers and cripples us and saps our strength. And a crippled man or woman can't keep pace with those who are not so afflicted. It's that man or woman today whose heart is united whose heart is determined to serve God that makes progress. It's that person who has wholeheartedly decided to follow Jesus Christ that wins and comes forth victorious. The indecision of the mayor's wife brought about her doom. I want you to use your sanctified imagination. I want you to look. I want you to see Lot's wife by an eye of faith this morning traveling She's traveling joylessly, half-heartedly, on her way to the heights. But there's no spring in her step. There's no joy in her heart. Her steps just get slower and slower. And finally, she stops. And she looks back. She looks back longingly toward the city. The voice of her baser self says, go back. The voice of her better self says, go on. Inclination says, go back. Conscience says, climb to the heights of God. She looked back and was turned into a piece of crude statuary. And the face of that statue was not turned toward the heights. The face of that statue was turned toward the ruined city of the plain. 
There's a message for us today. For me and for you. From those dumb lips on that statue. A divided heart. Is a wretched heart. Do you want to find joy in Jesus Christ? Then you've got to be totally committed to Jesus Christ. A divided heart doesn't make any progress toward the heights of God. You want to be a useful Christian and a growing Christian, then you've got to be a wholehearted Christian. You see, a divided heart in the end means death. It means moral death. Do you want proof? Jesus said, Remember Lot's wife. As Joshua of old would say, Choose you this day whom you will serve. To choose Jesus Christ is to choose victory. Any choice other than Jesus Christ means defeat and failure. It's His invitation as we stand. And while we